Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're going to talk about breast surgery procedures for both women and men. Um, breast surgery has become one of the most popular forms of cosmetic surgery, ranging from breast cancer or augmentation surgery to enhance a woman's breast to surgical reconstruction. We have an expert on the show today, Dr. Joshua Craithen who is an aesthetic breast and body specialist, board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. And he is located in Sarasota, Florida. Dr. Craven, welcome to Aesthetic Insider. Yes, Angela, thank you. I appreciate you having me on your show. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you know, we have so many um, aspects of breast surgery for, for women and men that we want to cover today. And so I'd like to start just by asking you to please tell our audience about yourself and, um, you know, how long you've been doing breast surgery procedures and just give us some background. Okay, sure. So I did my plastic surgery fellowship at University of Florida, and I've been doing breast procedures for about 20 years uh, prior to my plastic surgery training, uh, I did general surgery uh, where I did many breast procedures, mostly pertaining to breast cancer and reconstruction. Uh, and uh, I'm an artist, and I wanted to use all of my artistic skills, uh, and so I decided to become a plastic surgeon, and uh, that was about 15 years ago. And then from uh, Gainesville, University of Florida, uh, I moved to Sarasota, Florida, uh, and I'm board certified, and I'm just passionate about helping my patients reach their goals, particularly with breast surgery. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And now tell me, um, currently, what is the most popular type of surgery you perform on the breast? I'd say if I would look at all the statistics and numbers, probably the most popular procedure uh, is breast augmentation. And uh, you know, close behind that would be breast lift and breast reduction. So okay. sometimes making them bigger and sometimes making them smaller. Interesting, interesting. Now, you know, with, with breast augmentation, you know, um, there is kind of a lot of information out there on the Internet for women to look at in terms of, you know, placement of implants, type of implants, size of implants. Um, what advice do you give to your patients, you know, when they come in and consult with you? Uh, what is the right choice for them? Uh, that's a great question. And one thing, at least for me, the key is to individualize each patient's plan based on their needs and goals. Uh, so when I see a patient in consultation, uh, I'll do an exam and really have a long discussion about what they want uh, in terms of size or shape. Uh, and there's basically two types of implants that are available, uh, saline and silicone. Uh, and I'd say at this point in time in 2016, about 80% of my patients are choosing silicone implants. Uh, I usually use a smooth round implant and I place that under the pectoralis or chest muscle 
and uh, it really gives fantastic results. Uh, saline and silicone, they each have their pros and cons. Uh, and I'd say it was in the early 90s, um, there were issues with the old silicone implants and they were taken off the market. There was a lot of hysteria about issues with silicone and it was redesigned and then it was FDA approved in 2006, so about 10 years ago. Uh, so at this point, uh, these implants are behaving extremely well, extremely safe, and giving excellent results. Now, you know, when you mentioned um, saline over silicone and, and your, you have your particular pharma placement, but um, is, there a, is there an implant you prefer out of saline or silicone? Do they each equally have similar pros and cons? Um, can you explain the difference? Sure. Well, I love both. Uh, I'd say that visually they would look identically the same if someone had saline versus silicone. Really, the major difference is how the implant feels. So the silicone implant is filled with a silicone gel, and it feels a little bit more like breast tissue, uh, whereas the saline implant, it's filled with essentially salt water, so it has a little bit more of a water balloon feel to it. So in certain situations, if someone has a decent amount of breast tissue to begin with and they want to go bigger, they would do fine with either type of implant, saline or silicone, because their breast tissue is going to kind of drape over that implant. But if someone is quite small-chested, they're probably going to feel that implant right under their skin. So the silicone implant is going to feel more natural. And the saline implant, just because of the properties and the physics of the salt water, it's a little bit more common to feel perhaps under the breast something called rippling, where there may be a few little waves or ripples of the implant on the bottom part of the breast. And that's much less common with the silicone implants. Hmm, interesting. And now in terms of, you know, let, let's, let's kind of delve a little bit more into breast augmentation because I know that I do know sure. all the problems that we want to talk about. But let's just spend a few more minutes talking about breast augmentation. And is there any um, particular age group that, you know, breast augmentation is, a, you know, women in their 20s, 30s, or is it across the board? Um, you know, what is most popular that you see in terms of augmentation surgery? That's a great question, and I do really see it all across the board. Uh, interesting here in Florida, I think you mentioned you're in California. Uh, here in Florida, yeah. we have a slightly older uh, population, and so it's amazing. A lot of people these days and are taking care of themselves, and I'm seeing 60- and 70-year-old women who are really just taking care of themselves. They're super fit. They look like they're in their 40s or 50s, and you know, those patients are coming in for breast enhancement or lifting or, or reduction procedures. Um, additionally, you know, there's a younger population of women uh, as well. So I would say probably the average age of my augmentation patient is somewhere between 35 to 40. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that has to do with my demographic here in Florida. Okay. Uh, but really, I'm I'm doing these procedures on anyone, say, from age 20 to 75. That's great. That's great. It was great to hear that older women are uh, taking such good care of themselves, you know. And I know yeah. that you offer other procedures at work alongside, you know, the breast augmentation procedure, but that's, um, that's good to hear. Yeah, and I just want to comment one thing about breast surgery in general. And, you know, I, I think in, you know, 
years ago, you know, there often was a stigma of, you know, plastic surgery that, you know, someone's having something done and they would kind of keep it a secret. And, you know, it, there was maybe some negative connotations towards having plastic surgery. Uh, although I've seen a real big shift in the last 10 or 15 years uh uh, is that, you know, now I think it's, you know, more commonplace. Perhaps it's from these reality TV shows. Uh, and I, I think what's happening and I'm seeing, you know, for particularly for women who have these procedures is that often, uh, you know, someone wants to look as good as they feel. They want to be their best. They want to look their best. And so I think kind of the almost the shift in consciousness is that you know it's okay to have these operations to make themselves perhaps more beautiful than they already are, or to have more self-confidence, uh, or to you know look exactly the way someone wants to look. Uh, for example, even after pregnancy, if someone's lost some breast tissue or they become droopy, to kind of restore their bodies to how they looked before having children. So I see a whole variety of different types of patients, uh, but a lot of times it's really a sense of empowerment, and my patient wants to kind of be their best, and I, that's yeah. a big trend that I've seen change over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, and I think, you know, what I see as well in, in kind of the, not an aging woman, but, a you know, after pregnancy, the mommy makeover type of thing is, is mm-hmm. I think a lot of women really, like you said, they lose breast tissue, and therefore then they, there's almost like an imbalance to their body. And um, and, and I, I, I do know from just personal friends, you know, that women are having, you know, they're not necessarily doing it for any reason other than they just want their body to kind of look normal like it did before they lost so much breast tissue from breastfeeding, you know, and so... Uh, Correct, yeah. And, you know, I think that... It also depends on what the definition of normal is in the sense that it's normal to, you know, have your body change after pregnancy. And so, you know, I I think, you know, just from a self-confidence standpoint or just, you know, wanting to, you know, just feel as good as you can feel, um, and from my standpoint in my hands, you know, it's almost like a reconstructive operation uh, to take a woman who's had multiple children and has loose or saggy skin or drooping or loss of breast volume. Uh, for me, it's almost like uh, from an artistry standpoint is to kind of re-sculpt and help my patient r- restore her body to how it looked before pregnancy. And that's, you know, quite an honor for me that I can help someone like that. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the things I love the most about my job. Yeah, I would say probably out of all forms of, of medicine, being a plastic surgeon definitely goes hand in hand with artistry, you know, because it is the uh, manipulation and sculpting of the human body. Absolutely. I, I see myself, and, I, you know, there's different metaphors I could use, you know, sculpting the body or that it's like a canvas, but at the same time, uh, it's just uh, I've always had artistic skills and I just I feel blessed in the sense that I could kind of can bring together all my artistic skills and my surgical uh, judgment and you know my technical abilities and to help you know my patients kind of get to where they want to be uh, it's it's been very fulfilling oh that's, that's wonderful to hear you know you mentioned earlier that you know the media and 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 in the media you know there's lots of stories and and the media i am I'm pretty sure has helped us become much more accepting as a society on plastic surgery um, absolutely but then, but then I do see stories in the media that aren't always positive and um so that leads into my next question on revision procedures um 
Of mm-hmm. course, not every breast surgery goes perfect. Not every breast surgeon is a perfect surgeon. So how often do you do revision surgery in your practice, and how do you handle it? Well, uh, first of all, I really liked how you, you know, presented that question because, um, first of all, in terms of media, uh, you know, there's some shows that show, you know, how horrible things can go. And and the, I think from a patient standpoint, the most important thing is that when you're looking at the doctor who you're basically entrusting your life with, is to make sure that they're board certified in what you are wanting to have them do. Uh, so, you know, for myself, I'm board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. I went through extensive training. I've gone to medical school and had, you know, many years, and I became certified through my organization that I'm a safe doctor. So that's probably, you know, the, the first most important thing when looking at a doctor. Uh, and in that sense, I've had tremendous amount of training with, with breast procedures, uh, both what's called primary or the first surgery or secondary surgery, meaning revisions. And so, you know, even the best doctor um, is eventually, you know, going to have sometimes there's, you know, issues or problems. Maybe someone has some bleeding or some hard scar tissue forms. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, and then, you know, there's probably some doctors out there that maybe are not the most qualified or shouldn't be what they're doing. Or, you know, I've seen a lot of patients who go overseas and then come back with problems. Uh, so I do quite a bit of revision surgery. Uh, and thankfully, I have enough experience to almost be able to handle any situation. Um, and so I just do the best I can. And, uh, you know, often I'll say, you know, my job is to make everyone happy all the time. So when I see someone with a very challenging problem, you know, I'm happy to take that on uh, and you know, most frequently uh, get, you know, a, a wonderful outcome. In In terms of revisions that you see, is there any kind of common thread, a common link of of why a woman would need a revision procedure? Mm-hmm. Well, the most common reason uh, that uh, a woman will want to have a revision, and there's all different kinds of statistics, uh, the most common reason is that someone who wants to go larger. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, initially she may be happy with the size, Um or maybe, you know, whatever, the doctor didn't choose a size big enough, but she eventually decides, I want to go larger. And, I, you know, I guess technically that's considered a revision or redo. Um, okay. So, you know, in my own hands, I spend a lot of time in the initial consultation. I use sizers, and I have them put them in the bra and make sure, you know, we have a plan A in terms of this is the right size. And that way, from a communication standpoint, you know, it's highly unlikely that my patient would afterwards feel that she had wished she had gone larger. Uh, but, you know, I frequently uh, see that uh, as probably the most common reason for revision. Um, the second most common uh, is called capsular contracture, and that's just a big fancy term for some scar tissue that forms around the implant. And normally when an implant's placed in the body, uh, any kind of implant, let's say a pacemaker or, you know, some other kind of device, um, the body forms some scar tissue around it, which is normal. Sometimes that scar tissue can get kind of firm or thick, and that happens perhaps up to 15 to 20 percent of the time, uh, and no one really knows the exact reason why. Um, and sometimes it gets hard or thick to the point where maybe there's some asymmetry with breasts. 
uh, and it can happen, you know, any time after the surgery, you know, from one year to 20 years. So probably the second most common reason I do revisions if someone develops this type of scar tissue, uh, I have to go in there and release it and perhaps do some other reconstructive work. Interesting, interesting. Now, you know, I do know that, uh, you know, our, our conversation today is on breast surgery procedures for both women and men, and um, male gynecomastia is something that I understand is becoming a concern amongst many men and uh, quite a popular procedure for plastic surgeons to um, to fix. Yes, uh, I have many gynecomastia, I'm sorry, many gynecomastia patients and uh, very common. And in the male population, uh, I basically see two different types. Uh, and I apologize, the phone's ringing here in the room. Uh, I basically see two different types of gynecomastia, and essentially what gynecomastia is, uh, breast tissue in a, in a man. And so some men, there's a whole variety of different reasons why they might get some male breast tissue, maybe hormonal or genetic, um, is that, you know, there's some excess tissue there. Um, but there's two kind of variations that I see. One is where it's more kind of fibrous or thick, and then the other form I see where it's more type kind of fatty tissue. Uh, so in the past, uh, usually I would have to, like, for example, I have a male patient come in and they have almost like a little nodule in the breast. Uh, so really the only thing I could do would be to you know, cut it out, do a surgical excision, uh, which requires a little bit more downtime and so forth. Uh, however, in the last five years, uh, I've been using another technique, um, and I use a laser uh, and I use the laser to kind of melt the fiber fatty tissue and then liposuction it out. Uh, so in the past where I've had to actually go in and cut things out, I can now use this laser device. Uh, it also helps to tighten the skin, and I've been getting excellent results with that method. And now you mentioned, you know, the, the, the two types of, you know, um, fibrous versus fatty tissue. Is there a different technique for either one, or do you use the same laser liposuction technique either way is yes so like he's one he's one often more, I can use, yes, the often other, I or? can use that laser to melt the fatty tissue or the fibrous tissue um there are certain situations where it's almost like a hard nodule and that scenario I'd actually have to do a surgical excision and usually when I do the surgical excision it's a small cut just under the bottom of the areola, the pigmented part. Uh, so the scar is very tiny. Um, although the laser really has been transformative uh, in you know, helping me to get great results where it's just fibrous or fatty. You know, and it is interesting because I would imagine, you know, we, you talked earlier about, you know, really, you know, plastic surgery isn't, isn't all about vanity. It's often many times about building self-esteem. And so I Absolutely. would imagine, you know, men go through similar self-esteem issues as women about breasts, you know, w women that they're too small and men that maybe they're too big. <laughs> um, and, and so Correct. what difference do you see in a, in a man who's obviously got breast issue that he'd rather not have? And you know, it's interesting. Self-esteem. Yeah, and, you know, you brought up the word vanity, which I, I think is a really important word, particularly with plastic surgery, because, you know, again, we talk about stigma is that, you know, a lot of times when people have plastic surgery, you know, there may 
be their friends that judge them about, you know, this is just vanity. Um, but I, I think it's a little, you know, more deeper than that because, as we mentioned, you know, there's self-confidence and self-esteem. And I think, you know, when we look at ourselves, and, you know, obviously we're all human with different variations in body forms and shapes, um, is that, you know, if we look at ourselves and we're not happy with part of ourselves, you know, obviously, you know, there's the incentive to make a change. And so, uh, you know, I think for many men, um, you know, if often if they have, you know, some fatty excess, you know, not only on their chest, but, you know, perhaps on their abdomen and they go to the gym and they work out and they try to get themselves looking as good as they want to look in terms of health and fitness and appearance, but then if there's still some of that gynecomastia tissue there and a bulge, and they've done everything they can do, um, you know, it's that point where, you know, they make a decision, well, I, I want to have something done, you know, surgically about this. Um, and and so, you know, those types of patients I see frequently. Uh, and just by you know, removing this little bit of, you know, fatty chest excess, um, you know, really just changes, you know, the, often their, you know, outlook on their confidence and self-esteem. So, uh, again, it's a wonderful thing for me to help someone do that, but at the same time, um, to, you know, from a technical and surgical standpoint, uh, to, you know, correct that, you know, I use the word deformity. It's not really deformity, but it's excess of tissue where it really is not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And then do you see, you know, in, again, age groups of patients, are you across the board as you are with a female breast augmentation, or is, is this a younger man's procedure or a middle-aged man procedure? How does How is that? I'd say on average for the male gynecomastia patients, it's usually a younger age range. Um, so I, I would say, you know, these types of patients, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, 18 to 40 years old on average. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, and I experienced this as a child, I don't, I don't know if you did, but I, I had, I have red hair and uh, I got, all the kids made fun of me and they bullied me for my red hair was horrible. Um, and I, I developed a lot of empathy towards people that getting, who got bullied. And, you know, I think, you know, for some young men, you know, they're in the locker room, in the gym, in school, you know, a lot of times they'll get bullied for, you know, their man boobs or, you know, people make, you know, rude comments about, you know, how they look. Uh, so, you know, often, um, you know, these, these men are, you know, uh, almost, you know, traumatized, you know, mentally by others, um, you know, if they look different. And I don't know what it is about human nature, why, you know, people, you know, bully others. Um, and so, you know, their perception is there's something wrong with them. And then, uh, you know, I fortunately am able to help them, you know, do a you know, corrective procedure to, you know, remove that extra tissue. You know, and it, it's it's interesting that you, you kind of bring up the bullying or the, the commentary that people make because I do know as being a female, you know, what we, I have heard and and seen is, you know, more when a man has excess breast tissue, it's more how come he has it and I don't, <laughs> you know, it's almost mm-hmm. like yeah. female jealousy. It's like yeah. they're not, that's mm-hmm. not supposed to be on him, that's supposed to be on me, you know, so... Um, yeah, I've heard every variation of that, that kind of scenarios, and even with with women. I mean, going back to breast augmentation, um, is you know, 
it's just you know sometimes you know kids can be cruel i mean even you know young women if they you know have very little breast tissue they might be called a boy by other people and then even on the flip side for you know young women who develop their breasts and they become very large you know, are also made fun of. And that's another procedure I do frequently called breast reduction, uh, where I'll remove a significant portion of the breast and do some lifting with it and reposition the nipple. And frequently that is um, a, a reconstructive procedure as well. Yeah, and that is something, I mean, for, again, that's not a problem I have, but I have had friends who have. And that that seems to be, I mean, not just from a a bullying or a self-esteem issue, there's also health consequences and back pain and all oh, very much so. that, that, you know, over large breasts um, can cause on the body. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, sure. So the breast reduction patients that I see, you know, often they're suffering from the weight of the breasts. Uh, as you mentioned, neck pain and back pain and decreased ability to exercise. Uh, and so, you know, there's certainly a functional problem with having large breasts. So, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, fortunately when I did my plastic surgery training, uh, I was uh, trained in a lot of really great innovative techniques to do a breast reduction uh, and also minimize the scarring. Uh, because inevitably with any breast reduction uh, procedure, there will be a fair amount of scarring. Uh, so often my breast reduction patients are some of my happiest patients because not only have I helped them to look better and feel better about themselves, but I've also you know, helped them uh, re- remove symptoms of pain and uh, you know, neck pain and back pain. So uh, you know, that operation, and often it's frequently covered by insurance too, which is something that's nice. Uh, although it is, you know, in, in all the procedures I'm talking about, breast augmentation reduction, even the male kind of comasty patients, you know, there's a recovery time. Uh, usually, you know, first week it's pretty sore, and you know, probably two to four weeks before heavy lifting aerobics. So there's often some downtime and a lot of considerations when someone makes a decision about surgery. Uh, but particularly with the breast reduction surgery, uh, it's you know, certainly a little bit more invasive. Uh, but again, like I said, often those patients are very thankful for their smaller breasts. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, now let's, let's kind of lead in a little bit to uh, reconstruction and, and reconstruction beyond augmentation or um, reduction. You know, do you do any other forms of breast reconstruction? Uh, yes, I do. So uh, when I, I trained as a general surgeon uh, for five years and, and did a lot of breast cancer procedures, and then when I transitioned to a plastic surgeon, I became an expert in breast reconstruction. So uh, it's one thing that uh, I love to be able to help uh, these kinds of patients, you know, kind of restore their breasts after a mastectomy, after they're diagnosed with cancer. I'll often work in tandem with the general surgeon where they'll do the mastectomy part of the procedure where they'll remove the breasts. I'll come in afterwards. Uh, and usually the most common way that I start off with the reconstruction is I put in what's called a tissue expander. Uh, which is like uh, a balloon that is inflatable over time. Uh, so I'll put those expanders under the chest muscle, 
Uh, I'll sew up everything uh, nicely. Uh, the patient then recovers uh, from both procedures. And then about after a month or so, uh, I'll start having them come back to the office where uh, I take some saline or salt water and then expand that uh, breast implant slowly. The skin stretches out over a period of a few months, and then I exchange that for usually a silicone implant uh, and basically you know, completely reconstruct the breast uh, with an implant, and the results have just been fantastic. Hmm. Well, yeah. That's uh, I didn't realize with the uh, tissue, you know, the implant or the uh, expanders, um, but that makes sense that it would take a couple of months for that tissue to expand before you can adequately, you know, allow an implant to be placed underneath it. Uh, correct. And the there's been a lot of innovations in the types of expanders that are available. Uh, often we use some uh, tissue grafting to kind of use as a sleeve or envelope around the implants. Uh, and so the new types of silicone implants that are kind of anatomically shaped that fit right into the pocket. Uh, so I'd say in the last 10 years or so, this particular method, the what's called tissue expansion method, uh, has just been uh, a wonderful way uh, to get great results, whereas in, in the past uh, there's were a lot of issues with you know, larger flaps and more downtime, and um, and there's all different ways to reconstruct the breast. But in my own hands, uh, I'm primarily using this tissue expansion method. You know, unfortunately, uh, about one in eight women uh, develop breast cancer over a lifetime. Uh, the statistics are you know, pretty shocking. Uh, no one really knows why exactly why so many women get breast cancer. Uh, and you know, there's the other ways to treat breast cancer besides just the total mastectomy. Uh, the cure rates uh, are, have really improved over time, and uh, I just I feel you know wonderful as a plastic surgeon to be able to help these patients through their process uh, and kind of restore or reconstruct them back uh, to having a, a beautiful breast. Mm, well, that's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that there's. Given that you know the the numbers and the statistics that you quote, that there does seem to be a higher cure rate, and then there is an answer to helping that woman, you know, kind of feel as as good as she possibly can after such an ordeal. Um, you know, we have about a minute and a half left on the show here, Dr. Creighton, and I'd really like to learn a little bit more about you know what makes your techniques unique. Um, is there anything you would like to add in that regard? Uh, that's a great question, and so I feel personally. Uh, that I mean, one thing I'm honored as a plastic surgeon uh, is that I get to use my artistic creativity uh, and I get to combine those with my surgical and technical skills and judgments. Uh, so I kind of get to use all of my uh, you know, abilities uh, to help uh, my patients. And another thing I do is I spend a lot of time uh, communicating with my patients, and I really individualize each plan based on uh, my patients' needs and wants uh, to help them achieve their goals. And I, I have some specific techniques that I've kind of developed on my own, uh, you know, with some breast lifting where I use uh, just a circular scar or a reduction where I have minimal scars or, you know, some of the ways that I use a breast implant where I can do some breast lifting without actually having to do a lift. Uh, so there's, there's some certain techniques that, you know, I've kind of developed over the years. Um, and, you know, it just, a lot of it comes with experience and surgical wisdom. 
uh, it's it's certainly something uh, where you know I have a lot of patients come to see me, you know, word of mouth or they look at my before and after pictures. Uh, you know, perhaps you know some people come see me because they you know they hear I have a great bedside manner. Um, but I certainly you know do the best I can to make everyone happy. Hmm. Well, that's that's wonderful to hear. Dr. Crichton, for those um, people listening in to our show today, how can they reach you? Okay, yes. So I'm located uh, in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, our practice's name is Holcomb Crichton Plastic Surgery Med Spa. Uh, my partner, Dr. David Holcomb, is a facial plastic surgeon. And our website uh, is www dot sarasota dash med dot com and our phone number is nine four one three six five eight six seven nine uh and uh if anyone is interested uh I always invite uh, potential patients or clients to come in for a consultation for an evaluation. Great. Well, well, Dr. Creighton, it's been such a pleasure having you on Aesthetic Insider today, and I would love to have you back on as a guest sometime in the near future. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Okay, talking to you too. Okay, well, bye-bye for now. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.